Well, Cody, we got Agostino on the line here. What do you want to ask him? What What is the best approach that we should maybe take to, to validate to a broker to make sure that we are getting in front of the right deals that make sense for us and our investors? Sure. Well, the, the brokers, they are indeed the key to the deals. Okay. They are the ones that will, sure, you can find a deal on your own. You can send out your mailers, do all that stuff. Some people are really good at that. I'm not one of those guys. I get all my deals through brokers and I pay them whatever they want. You know, the reason why I do that is because I know that if that broker makes a ton of money off me, next time another deal comes their way, they're coming to me. Why do they come to me? Because I always get the deal closed. Welcome to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast with your host, Brian Briscoe. In this podcast, we bring some of the top professionals in the apartment investing field to discuss various aspects of the apartment investing journey with the sole purpose of educating listeners to make wise investment decisions. The Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast is sponsored by Four Oaks Capital, bringing you high yield returns through apartment complex investing. Welcome to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast. I'm your host, Brian Briscoe with Four Oaks Capital. I'm very excited for today's show. It's another one of our Ask the Expert episodes. Uh, two great people on the line, both podcasters. So I think this is going to be a great episode. Uh, we've got Augustino Pintas and Cody Lewis on with us today. So that said, uh, Augustino, you're up first. Welcome to the show. Hey, man. Thanks for inviting me. Appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate you coming on. And incidentally, for the listeners, the, the guest bios are going to be in the show notes. Uh, so if you want to learn a little bit more about them, um, go ahead and go to the show notes, check that out. But uh, um, Augustino, please do us a favor and tell us about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I started off my in my uh, my career before real estate was in IT technology. I used to run like large enterprise IT and as a corporate drone, did that for some period of time. But I'd say about Four and a half years ago or so, four mm-hmm. years ago, I ended up getting fired from my, I think at the time it was probably my 13th or 14th job mm-hmm. and uh, couldn't, you know, I just, I, I was just not cut out for working for uh, working in corporate. You know, I was always, yeah. I've always been an entrepreneur, but not just not the corporate route. So I had a decision to make and mm-hmm. that decision was, well, okay, what am I going to do with my life now? I mean, I was, you know, in my forties, uh, I, I can either continue down this path of, turning my life over to some people that don't really care about me, or I can take the bull by the horns and do something on my own. And what is that yeah. thing? And I chose real estate. Now I was actually doing real estate in this mainly single family and small multifamily, mm-hmm. uh, maybe about 15, 16 years prior. But uh, I guess I got, I, I, I fell out of it for after 2008 really mm-hmm. came just disenfranchised with the whole thing. Yeah. I ended up getting right back into it again, as I said, about four and a half years ago, four years ago, actually a little less than that. Uh, so once I learned about syndication and how to raise money and how to put deals together, I then shifted my attention completely to mm-hmm. raising money and doing large apartment deals. That was yeah. my primary focus. One thing, yeah. I turned away a six-figure uh, C-level, C-level uh, mm-hmm. opportunities turned all that away just to do real estate. And yeah. fast forward to today, and now uh, we're closing on uh, closing on a deal right now. Thirteen hundred units. This is in the span of like just under three years now. Okay. Thirteen hundred units. Uh, bought the Rockefeller Building in downtown Cleveland. Uh, that's mm-hmm. going to be uh, when when that deal's done. It'll be close to one hundred thirty million dollars of development just just by itself. 
Uh, yep. I got another development deal that's closing this this week, uh, and mm -hmm. I just looked at another one that I'm going to be locking up here in the next couple of weeks here too. So about 200 million dollars of development deals on top of over 1300 units. Mm -hmm. And uh, so things are moving very, very quickly. And I'm actually hoping to get another 300 units locked up here of stabilized assets in the next uh, next month or so. So things are yeah. moving very, very quickly. And, and really what it took was to focus on one thing and, and making that decision to do yeah. basically one thing, that one thing, you know, not, not to get distracted with, with the shiny object syndrome that many people do. So, uh, you know, and there's not a single day where I wake up and I say, Oh my God, I wish I was working in corporate. That's never happened. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and you, you, you call it a corporate drone, you know, and I, I've had the entrepreneurial spirit, but I've kind of suppressed it for a long time. But, yeah. you know, when, it, when I started, you know, picking that back up and that fire started burning brighter, that's how I felt, you know, and I'm, I wasn't corporate, I was government, but I felt like, you know, a drone, a cog in a wheel, you know, you, you have like zero latitude for, you know, anything, you know, creative, but uh, yeah, that drone, I, I don't want to be a drone. I think a lot of people here can, can re that that'll resonate with a lot of people, but uh, yeah. But, um, and, and, and you know, Brian, it's not to say anything that all corporate is bad. I and mean, we're not saying that, no. I mean, not at all. It's, it's more like, some people are cut out for doing that. And some mm -hmm. people are cut out for the entrepreneurial route. I, I've been an entrepreneur since I was a kid. You know, my parents mm -hmm. really told me, don't be an entrepreneur. It's too risky. You know, they were, they were from yeah. Italy. They were, uh, you know, they, they were largely agricultural based people. You know, they worked on farms, that kind of stuff. They told me, Hey, you know what? No, no, no. Don't do that. Go to school go make something out of yourself and go work for somebody. That was, yeah. that was the plan that's been prescribed, not just to me, but to thousands, millions of mm -hmm. people. Right. It's not this, it's, but it's not the plan for everybody. You know, there's, there's some, there are some people that say, Hey, I want to do what you do. I, I can say, are you sure you want to yeah. do what, because <laughs> it's not, it's not every day. It's not all sunshine and rainbows. You know, there's sometimes oh, no. a storm and you better be able to sustain that storm. If you can't, you're not cut out for it. Right. So, yeah. You know, I, I was the kid at like age 10 that would, you know, go door to door selling Christmas cards in July. You know, why Christmas yeah. cards in July? Because it guaranteed that I got to that house selling Christmas cards before anybody else did, you know? That's and right. so <laughs> from, from a young, young age, that, that was me doing the entrepreneurial thing. And I remember going through college and I, I got, uh, I was in a PhD program for math. And I wanted to be a college professor, but what really scared me was being forced to be a college professor for the rest of my life. Mm. That really scared me. So everything I did, you know, in my educational program was trying to make myself more well-rounded and, you know, basically able to jump ship from college professorship if I didn't like it. Now that ended up not, never happening, but, uh, um, that, that's one thing that just from the beginning, I always wanted to have options. I never wanted to put myself into one, you know, niche. And um, I think that's, that's the entrepreneurial part of me. And the nice thing about multifamily is there's so many different directions to go. I can go at my own speed. I can go as fast as I want or I can go as slow as I want. But uh, um, anyway, so uh, I do like what you said about focusing on, on one thing, you know, as far as a slightly different type of one thing. Like I said, I just said I didn't want to be forced into one thing, but how has that focus on one thing really helped you to, to grow and scale? Oh, wow. I mean, I'll tell you, that's, 
that is that is the the essence of building success when you're for at least mm-hmm. when you're first starting out, especially when you're first starting out, I should say. There, there's, uh, there's, there's a lot of times when you get the shiny object syndrome, right? And many people yep. get this, right? And, and I had to hunker down and focus just on one specific thing. You know, I'm going to do multifamily property mm-hmm. acquisition. That's all I'm doing. Hey, do you want to do single family? Nope, not right mm-hmm. now. Hey, do you want to do development? Nope, not right now. You know, do you want to do triple net? Do you want to do all these things? Nope, no, no, no. This is all I'm doing right now. I'm going to focus on it. And then, but what happens is when you focus on it, this means educating yourself on the, on the material, knowing the Mm -hmm. lingo, raising the money, getting the, the, your, your website, your materials, all, all in line, being able to speak to the brokers, make sure the brokers know who you are and you get first dibs on those deals. Make sure that, that you know how to put these deals together in a way that entices investors to want to invest with you. All these different things. I mean, there's a lot to it by itself, let alone if you try to mix in all this other stuff. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's one of the biggest things is that when I hear about other folks trying to do a lot of these things, I mean, you better damn well be good at least doing one of those things very, very well before you start taking on other things. I mean, now, yes, I have an organization where we do triple net and development, but that's it though. <laughs> it's yeah. Three things. Yeah. And they're all, they're all interrelated. Right. So mm-hmm. uh, the, the development people, the, the investors we use for development are the same people that help us out with that, that partner with us on on the on the acquisition of the stabilized assets. And same thing with the triple net. It's the same group of people. Right. So it doesn't yeah. really vary all that much. But like I had to learn everything else. Like I had to learn how to put those types of deals together. But focus, 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 yeah. focus is is absolutely necessary to build the success that you need. And uh, because if uh, there's that old, that old, um, uh, I think it's uh, Confucius saying, right? If you chase many rabbits, you'll never catch one. It's right. kind of like that. You know, it's kind of yeah. like yeah, that. yeah. I I heard that statement before, and it's 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 great, you know, but. Something that I learned, and I learned, you know, I, I wish I would have had somebody tell me this up front, but I was all over the place. When I, when I focused on multifamily. I decided I want to do multifamily, but geographically, I was all over the map. You know, yeah. price range, I was all over the map. I was yeah. underwriting $1 million deals and $20 million deals. Yeah. <laughs> it, it wasn't until I narrowed things down to two or three markets and picked, you know, one to $6 million purchase price or something like that. That's when I started getting traction. That's when brokers started calling me back. That's it, it's, it's amazing. And it may be counterintuitive to some where, you know, if I focus on this one Metro, it's going to limit my options. Well, it's, it's counterintuitive in that sense, but it, it actually, you're going to get a lot more chat traction a lot quicker by focusing. So I, I love that you brought that, brought that up. My own, my own experience, you know, hundred percent, you know, justifies that or not justifies it, but uh, um, anyway, enforces it, 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 yeah, enforces yeah. that. That's the right yeah. word. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I only have one market. It's Cleveland. Mm-hmm. That's it. I yeah. live here. I know where. I know what it is. I know what it's about. I know all all the opportunities here. Mm-hmm. I know what the right price is to pay for the asset uh, because I'm 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 here. You know, and yeah. and when you're able to get some scale in this one market. Then you're, you know, if anybody in, if, if anybody comes in from outside and tries to and beats me on a deal, chances are they're going to overpay for it because I know mm-hmm. what the right price is, right? And it's okay if they do, you know, whatever, it's fine. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's it, it, I, I focused on one market, and I'm going to pick the next market 
uh, hopefully here, well, I think I already have, I already know where I'm going to end mm-hmm. up going, but I'm just going to fly out there during the winter time because around here, I already know that things tend to slow down, mm-hmm. go out there, camp out for, for the next three, four months, learn mm-hmm. the market, learn, learn who the brokers are, who are the movers, who are the shakers. But, but you see what I said though, right? I'm going to put myself in that situation and learn what's going on. This is yeah. the thing. I mean, you know, early on, I was speaking to a lot of other guys too. And there's a, they live in North Carolina. They want to buy stuff in Dallas. Never been to Dallas before, but they want to buy some $20 million property. And I'm like, man, listen, <laughs> you really, you really got to know your market before you start talking about numbers uh, like that. You know, it's ridiculous. And in my yeah. opinion, right, to start buying out of state like that and not knowing what's going on. Uh, and then there's also the same sorts of guys that would go off and buy, they want to buy six units in Alabama and, you know, they're, they're, they're totally out of state. I'm like, again, makes no sense to me, you know, mm-hmm. uh, where, like you said, you define the criteria up front, you define your market up front and you focus, hyper-focus yes. on that market and on those asset classes. <laughs> that's, that's absolutely the best way to do it. Yeah. And you bring up a lot of good points, you know, and, you know, going, going back and applying what you said to my experience, it was the same thing. When I was, when I was jumping from market to market to market, I never understood what the right price was for any of those markets because the person underwriting a deal, it was the first time I saw it, you know, and I, I wasn't sure what the going rate was. You know, yeah. when I started focusing on a price point, you know, then all of a sudden you start understanding what the expenses should be. You know, because the expenses are different in, you know, Charlotte than they are in Austin and they are in Dallas and they are in Cleveland. So anyway, the focus, the focus is 100 percent what you need to do getting started. And then, in my opinion, I think you, you obviously share the same opinion. Then you can start branching out and jumping into the triple net or jumping into the, the development. And um, I think development's fascinating, by the way, but, uh, you know, don't know too much about it yet. But we're trying to. But uh, yeah. Yeah, it's fine. That's it. Um, let's shift gears slightly. Can you uh, go over, you know, one of the deals you guys have done? Um, pick, pick your first, pick your favorite, pick your most recent, but uh, just just walk us through one of the multifamily deals that you guys have have uh, closed on and, and managed. Wow. All right. So, um, you know, it's funny. We set up a fund. Mm-hmm. We set up my, my partner and I set up a fund just uh, I don't know, a few months ago for for this uh, two portfolio deal from two different sellers. Mm-hmm. It's about uh, it's just about 300 units or so, something like that. And we're closing on the second part tomorrow. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, the, these both these assets, they're over on the west side of Cleveland. Great, great deal. It's going to it's going to be a, a superb deal when it's done. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's uh, I wouldn't say it's it's, it's I mean. It's, it's going to be a great cash cow, right? Mm-hmm. I would say the most fascinating deal that we got is the Rockefeller building in downtown mm-hmm. Cleveland. That is actually an office that John D. Rockefeller built. Most people don't know this, but John D. Rockefeller, people know, know him from the Rockefeller Center, oh, yeah. uh, the, the, the oil tycoon, right? But one thing people don't know is that he was actually, he's actually from Ohio, right? Mm-hmm. And much of Ohio here is, it uh, was, was, a lot of oil here, a lot of oil money, mm-hmm. a lot of oil in, in, in Ohio, right? So uh, before the random out of town, he had this building built, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the building we bought. So we're taking this and we're going to convert it to multifamily. Uh, so the first level is going to be retail, restaurant, two floors of office. The rest of it's going to be all multifamily. It's going to be some 430 units, somewhere in that wow. range. 
So it's, yeah, it's going to be a big, big deal. So all in, like what I said, like 130 million, something like that, 130, mm-hmm. 135, something like that. Um, so that's going to be a nice, juicy deal when it's done. That's oh, just yeah. to build it. That's just to build it. Because here's the thing, a deal like that, the value is determined by NOI. That's the real value. This is just to build it, <laughs> just to finish yeah. it, right? So it's going to be a great deal when it's done. Though It's going to be a phenomenal mm-hmm. deal. My first deal was actually an 11 unit apartment, right? And mm-hmm. uh, I, I, the way I, the way I, I, I saw it was, um, I had a hard time going off raising money from people if I'm not in multifamily myself. Like that's mm-hmm. that was something is a limiting belief that I had, but it was yeah. there none, nonetheless. And I happened to stumble on this deal on the regular MLS. Because it's someone just happened, like the broker was really just a real estate agent, put it in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. She she had no idea what, what LoopNet was. She had no idea what any of that. She had, she was not a commercial broker. She took this deal and put it on the MLS. So I just happened to be on the MLS. And I'm like, wait a second, eleven units. What's what's this? Like, wow. why is this here? Yeah. You know. And they had it priced at like thirteen thousand a door or eleven a door or something like that. Eleven thousand dollars a door. Like when other stuff at the, at the time in wow. the market was like 25 a door. And I'm like, half price sale. Like, like, yeah. It's like, huh. So I go see it. I mean, you know, it's, it's, I mean, it needed a little bit of work, but it wasn't bad. I'm like the guy, I, I bought it. I bought, the, sure. Of course I bought it, yeah. you know? And uh, the, the guy was uh, the, the owner um, had, had started a, a 12th unit, never finished it. I finished it and just re- recently sold it for like 35 a door. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it all worked out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. that was that was my first little deal. But I, I, at the time, I felt that I was unable to go raise money from people if I was not doing deals myself. I wanted to at least mm-hmm. say I had a deal, you know. Yeah. And it was a deal, nonetheless, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, not, and I got lucky. I know, I know, I got lucky. Not everybody can find a deal like that. Uh, but if anything, it, there's there's hope for for folks out there that. You know, sometimes you find deals in the most uh, unusual ways. And in that case, I found it on the MLS, right? Yeah. So, yeah. You know, a, lot, a, lot, a lot of lessons learned there. I mean, 11 units to where you are now, you know, that it just goes to show that you, you can start almost anywhere and, yeah. and scale pretty rapidly. Um, the other thing, and, and just want to address the limiting belief, I had the same limiting belief. I wanted to syndicate from the beginning. And I remember walking five and seven and 10 unit properties because that's what I could afford, you know, looking, looking at all, all the cash that I could put together for a down payment. I figured, and I wish it was $11,000 a door, you know, in the areas that I was looking at, it was closer to, you know, 50, 60,000 a door, but uh, um, I had the same limiting belief. And it wasn't until a little later that I realized that you can still do it. You know, you can skip the single family, you can skip the small multifamily to jump in it. So appreciate you bringing that up. That's uh, a good point. Yeah. Um, so one, one question I'd like to ask everybody on the podcast and going to hit you up with it right here. What's your big burning why? You know, when when I was growing up, as I alluded to before, my, my parents were they're immigrants from Italy, right? So they didn't have a lot growing up. And uh, everything that I had to do uh, as far as my education, as far as the, 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 the things I had in my life, I had to do on my own, right? I had to go, I put myself through school, uh, two master's degrees, undergrad, all that stuff. I paid for it myself, like no, no government money, none of that stuff. I did it all on my own, right? With credit cards, working two jobs. Uh, I, what else? 
I had my, my parents didn't really guide me in terms of career or anything else like that, aside from go work somewhere, you know? So I dedicated myself to technology and just did that. But you realize that once you have a child of your own, and in my case, my son, you, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, everything I do now, I do it for him, you know? So I'm hoping that I can leave a legacy for him, right? Like we have, we have our podcast, the Bulletproof Cashflow Show, mm-hmm. The show is to help other people, of course, get into real estate and, and, and get the right mindset and get the, and raise the money that they need for the, doing their deals. But it's also an instruction manual for him because one day when he's, when he's like uh, in his 30s, he'll be listening to his old man telling him how to, how to buy properties. Right. Yeah. I mean, hopefully I'll still be around. I think I will be, but uh, <laughs> I hope so too. I mean, yeah, I, pl- I plan on living until I'm like a hundred. So I, right. I've got a good. 40, 55 years left on this earth. And, and, but, uh, and John, and John D Rockefeller, he was, I think he just, uh, he's about to hit his hundredth birthday when he passed. So, mm-hmm. uh, so it is possible, you know, uh, but uh, I, I do it for him, you know, I do it yeah. so I could, I can give him a life. It's not going to be, it's not meant to be easy. All right. I, I want him to, I, I want it to be hard. I want it to be hard for him the same way it was hard for me, because I think in, in that, in that hard, in those hard times, it really builds the person's character. I really do believe that you every, every, every man should have those, those hard times. But uh, in his case, I want him to have opportunities that I did not have, you know, um, that's why I do all this, you yeah. know, and, and, and not to mention too, I'd love to have, have it build this thing so big that his kids, kids, kids will know my name, mm-hmm. you know, to build something that big, you better be building something like enormous to withstand the generations yeah. that are going to be coming. Right. Because uh, I'm, not, I'm not a doomsday guy. That's not my, it's not my bag, but just, you know, with, with what's coming in terms of change in legislation and change of, of, of the, the whole country mm-hmm. is going through, you better be prepared to build some indestructible wealth. Right. Yeah. It's not going to be any easier here as time goes on. So, which is why it's it's vastly important to build this business as quickly as you can, responsibly, of course, mm-hmm. and to build something strong and robust that can last through generations. Right. Just Absolutely. has to has to be done that way. Yeah, got got to have a foundation. I mean, something that's going to last that long. I don't know, maybe like the Rockefellers did. But yeah. Uh, yeah. there you go. Um, so, last question for you, and then we'll bring Cody on. What's next for you? You know, I've been focused a great deal on multifamily, as I said before, and we still are, you know, still trying to find find stabilized assets and fix them up and the, the typical value add, fix them, hang on to them long term. It's typically what we do. I'm still doing it. However, what I've been shifting more towards is development. So doing doing a lot of development deal, like the Rockefeller's the one, the one deal we're working on. I think I mentioned uh, Chester, uh, which we're closing on the financing next uh, next week or this week pretty soon here next week and a half or so. Uh, and then there's another deal I just looked at, uh, which we should have locked up here fairly quickly as well. So development is, is, is going to be a, is, is a real big push for us. Uh, we just have to be very, very careful with any development play that you don't get over your ski tips because um, when, when it comes to development, if you do too much, too fast, uh, if, if, if there is an economic shift, you don't want to get caught with your pants down. Right. So right. it's picking the right projects is very, very important and, and, and really locking, locking in the debt and the money. And then the other thing that we're doing 
is a triple net acquisition too. So that's your single tenant triple net, Dollar Tree, Dollar General, Arby's, Pizza Huts, you know, those the single tenant stores, mm-hmm. uh, stuff with long-term leases with, with the corporate guarantee behind them. It gives a great return to investors, great return to, to our group. Uh, sure, they're not stellar like multifamily or, or development, but they're very, very consistent and, and strong, right? Stable. So yes. and very, very stable, very stable, right? So every month you can get a check, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, unlike with multifamily, uh, so, some, if everything is going yeah. well, great. You know, every quarter yeah. you'll get a check, you know? And then, but if, if you blow out a boiler, the roof flies away or whatever. Mass yeah. exodus. And then, yeah, yeah the occupancy dips and check, check stops coming in. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, a lot. I mean, there, there's a lot to be said about that. You, you have a little more di- diversity in your portfolio. You've got some, you've got some, you know, uh, apartment buildings that are producing that are doing well. You got some development deals that are a little higher risk, higher yield, and you've got some, you know, lower risk, potentially lower yield triple nets. And you know, when, when you look at the overall portfolio, I think that's a very smart way to go. You know, you've you've got some some balance in there um, to make sure you're going to get consistent returns. So love it a lot. All right. So we're going to shift gears again and bring Cody Lewis on the line. So Cody, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me, Brian. Yeah. Thank you for for being on the show. And it was great meeting you in person, you know, a couple of weeks back. So very, very happy to have, you know, talked with you face to face, shake hands with you. There we go. But uh, yeah, well, no, it was. It, thank you for having me. It's truly an honor to be here. And it, and it was great to actually see you in person. Like you said, uh, we were, you know, very excited to get out and about and uh, see the city of Dallas and then uh, attend the conference and, and connect with folks there. Yeah, yeah, it was a good, good times. Good times were had by all. But uh, um, that said, go ahead, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So um, uh, my name's Cody Lewis. I, I'm one half of Vindu Capital located here in Charleston, mm-hmm. South Carolina. Technically, we're in Mount Pleasant. Uh, for those that know the area, for those that don't, mm-hmm. we say Charleston. It's a little bit more well known than Mount Pleasant. Yep. Um, but my my business partner and I, we've been uh, really in this for about nine to 10 months now. So mm-hmm. my business partner previously passively invested uh, with a couple of different groups uh, leading up to now. And we spent a lot of time talking in 2020 about migrating over and becoming GPs ourselves. We made that shift uh, right mm-hmm. at the tail end of 2020 into 2021. He spun down his construction company that he'd been running successfully for 15 years. And then right around June, I actually left my W-2 job, which I think it's interesting that the three of us are talking because I, too, uh, my undergrad degrees in applied mathematics, I was going to be a high school math teacher. And I left a W-2 job that was in technology sales. So uh, I spent the majority of my career leading up to now. Uh, probably 10 or so plus years in B2B tech sales for a bunch of different really great companies. And I did sales, B2B sales, mm-hmm. B2C sales, leadership, uh, even some uh, sales engineering on the technical side as well. And and now, fortunately, uh, able to strike out on my own and, and mm-hmm. give this really a, a, the best shot we can. Nice. How did it feel to, to quit the job? I mean, go, go into that a little bit. I want to I hear about this. Yeah, well, I can tell you it was incredibly nerve-wracking on really two mm-hmm. different fronts, which is one doing all the the conversations with my wonderful wife and, and talking to her about the finances and making sure that we're okay and where do we stack mm-hmm. and stand and doing all those kinds of things and, and what it really means for us and and how I'm going to the things that I'll need from like a family perspective and time yeah. and that sort of thing. 
and, and that was one set. And that was nerve wracking to, to tell her and ask her and say, hey, I, you know, if this is going to be our future, if this is where we think we're going to be, mm-hmm. we, I really we really need to be all in. And I say we because it is our decision. It's not, you know, I may be the one doing the things on a day to day basis, but it really is our team here at home uh, supporting each other doing it. The other half of that was I left a fantastic job, a fantastic company, fantastic people, and having to tell my boss that I'm willingly leaving a fantastic, um, very well-paying, successful job to go pursue something that for the short time being won't produce any income, uh, that that was nerve-wracking. I very much appreciated all the opportunities and things that they gave us and provided us with, especially during uh, last year when we were you know, very fortunate to be able to continue our our work from home and continue to get paid and the things that they allowed us to do with our kids and balance our schedule. I thought they gave so much to to their employees that it, it was really nerve wracking for me to step up and say, hey, I'm, I'm going to leave. But mm-hmm. w- once once I realized the amount of work and time and effort it takes to really get an organization off the ground and look for properties and talk with investors, it made abundance amount of us uh sense really to move forward and say that this is where the future is and this is where we're going to go. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think it's a a good move, you know, obviously there's, there's a little bit of unknown there, you know, and I appreciate you being frank with it. You know, it's definitely a nerve wracking idea. You know, I, I'm getting rid of my W2 here real soon. And, you know, uh, fortunately for me, it comes with a pension, but uh, getting rid of my W2 and taking that big decrease in income at first was, Exactly that. It was one of those, am I, am I going to be able to do it type of things? But anyway, I, I think we, we kind of probably touched the subject a little bit, but what's your big burning why? Oh, yeah, that, that's easy. Uh, I have a wonderful wife and, and twin three-year-old boys. And every day I look at them, that's my why. Uh, yeah. I, want, I want to be able to provide for them. I want to uh, create, to Augustino's uh, point, you know, I, I grew up in, in a, a family that I didn't really need for much, but my parents were school teachers and and everything was a little bit harder. I went to a very affluent high school and uh, my parents were teachers. So I, you know, I didn't have all the nice shiny things that some of my classmates did, but that was fine. I was very happy. We had a loving family. uh, And I want that same type of thing for my kids, but I also want to build that generational wealth for them and, and get possibly give them something down the road that they can take on and continue that success. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I look at my wife and how hard she grinds and works at her job as a, as a lawyer. And I want to look at her one day and say, you know what, you don't have to do that if you don't want to anymore. Yeah, and absolutely. she may, she may choose to, she's very successful. She's incredibly talented and smart at what she does, but I want to give her that option. Yeah. love it. I love it. All right. Well, Cody, we got Augustino on the line here. What do you want to ask him? Yeah, Augustino, uh, thanks for allowing me to uh, pick your brain a little bit, especially with all the success you guys have had, you know, as I mentioned, we've been doing this since about December, January, uh, early, or late last year, early this year. And, and some of the things that we're running into now is, you know, I handle a lot of the investor relations kind of conversations, new investors, ongoing conversations. And we focused on that for about two months at a time, just honing in on who are our potential investors when we find that first deal. But we, we've run out of our kind of initial circle, former, former colleagues, friends, family members, people that we know in the community, and we're looking to find kind of that that next ring around the circle, if you will, on, on potential investors and folks that we can talk to. And uh, we're starting to develop a clear picture of our avatar and what that looks like for our investors. But it's then finding where they where they maybe are and how to reach 
to them. And, and we have a podcast and a website and, and a small social presence, but mm-hmm. would really like to know where we can maybe spend the most time and effort to try and find that next group of people. Sure. Good well, before, before we, before you go on to the next step, how did the previous steps go? Like what happened when you did talk to the first, like say two or three circles then? So you talked to friends, you talked to friends and family or family first, then friends. Like how did that go? Did, do you have any commitments or anything else like that? Yeah. So we have a list of soft commitments now. So we're very fortunate that uh, we have some people that believe in, in who we are, what we're doing, and, and more importantly, the multifamily space, which we're going to be investing in. Good. Uh, uh, very fortunate. My My partner, like I said, has been, uh, passively investing for about four years now, and, and we can lean on a lot of his success in that field and what he's done as a passive investor to aid in those conversations and say, this is why I've done what I've done. I want you to be along for the same journey. And then we ideally say, you know us, and we've built that credibility over our, our uh, time knowing these folks that we're talking to saying, you know us, you know that we're going to put everything we can into it and ideally be successful when we have a deal, we'd like to bring you on board as a, an investor. So we do have some potential or, or soft commitments, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So when, when you pitched your friends, did you, how'd you do it? Did you use like a business plan model? Did you just talk to them? Like, how'd you do it? Yeah, I think it's a combination of both. And we really broke it down depending on the person, right? Uh, it, it's more, we focused on, you know, some of our people that we talked to friends, family, They've never heard of multifamily, so it was really a let's on uh, let's give you the idea of why we're talking to you about multifamily and, and its potential uh, for you as an as a potential investor and why we think it's good for others. It was that maybe that we knew in the community that had invested in some sort of real estate. It was less about the real estate model and more about just building that trust and relationship even further with my partner and I. Got it. Okay. So there's there's many ways to skin this cat. The, the first first and foremost thing to do though is to put together what I call the multifamily business plan. I have my little air quotes here, multifamily business plan. And what that does is that it's it's a great guide for you, the guy who's making the pitch, to really outline what your business plan is. Okay, we're going to acquire this type of asset in this location. And this is what we expect to pay for. These are the types of returns. And here's the team. It's myself. It's my partner. It's this property management group who manages thousands x thousands of units. It's this SEC attorney who handles stuff for Grant Cardone or handles stuff for XYZ people that they know already, which is huge. Like the, the, our SEC attorney is the same guy that handles stuff for Grant Cardone. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's like instant credibility, right? right. It, it, and I didn't know that by the way, when I picked the guy, okay. I, I just, I've, I've realized that afterwards, right. I picked him because right. he's very, very good. Yeah. I picked him because he's, he's excellent and oh yeah, Grant just happens to use him. Right. Uh, which is great too. But remember these people that you're talking to needs to have a connection to some sort of expertise or to someone that they know. If it's Grant Cardone, for instance, right, you have like a soft connection there, right? Because now you have this SEC attorney who's working for you, technically, and also know it does work for Grant Cardone. Great. Uh, so who's the property manager? Who's the SEC attorney? Who's your CPA? Have, have your team outlined. So it isn't just like you going to them hat in hand with your, with your handout. 
no, no, no. I have, this is a, this is a real business. This is a business opportunity that I'm presenting you and I like you. So I want you to be part of it. It's a very different scenario, right? Your pitch is absolutely key. Okay. Sure. But, but this business plan is an outline. And, and, and like I said, it's a PowerPoint or some sort of prepared document, like a PDF. You can step through very, very quickly and not, and you don't want to go too fast, of course, but you know, in a way that you can guide your, guide your pitch. Okay. That's what it's for. The first thing, though, when you're talking to friends and family is once you get them on board with some soft commitments is try to go out from there as opposed to continuing on outside of that ring. So mm-hmm. if your if your friends are, like, say, very wealthy already and they've already committed to doing stuff with you. Hey, do you know? Hey, Frank, do you know uh, anybody else maybe you're interested in maybe learning more about this kind of stuff? And Frank might say, you know what? As a matter of fact, my business partner might be interested in this. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so it's an easier way to get, once you have an intro with that person to get, to get more, uh, how should I say, to get other people that, that can, that can sponsor you, so to speak. Right? Like, like referrals in, in the B2B Referral. space. Yeah. Exactly. Got it. Exactly. Yep. It's huge. Right. Um, but then I noticed you said you have, you have, you have a podcast and you're doing, you're, you're doing other things like that. That's going to get you in front of a larger audience, which is great too. Um, it's going to take a while though, to really cultivate and bring in those people into your deals eventually. Right. The best way to at least start even now, believe it or not, is RIA's believe it or not, RIA, right. You go to the, the real estate investor association, mm-hmm. you go to your local RIA and get to know people. This, I'm telling you guys, this game is not, is, it's not like you're going to talk to five people and all five are going to invest with you. It takes a while to mm-hmm. invest, to find the investors that you need, right? That's, that's the thing. Yeah. You know, it takes a while to do it. Um, what I find for, for many people that are starting out is they're, they're doing exactly what you're doing. They have, they have a kick-ass business plan that they know how to pitch it and they can articulate very easily in a way that people understand why they should be investing in this, and uh, in, in the opportunity. But it takes a second to put all that together. But if you're really good at also finding deals in your local market to partner up with somebody else that really likes investing in your market too, right? Nothing wrong with doing that. So let's say, for instance, you find a nice deal that makes sense, bring in, bring in another partner uh, maybe on, on the GP side is, is is another way to sort of kick things off, right? So now you're bringing you're helping bring some investors. You have these other this other group to bridge the gap. Great, you got a deal done. What's most important here is you're getting a deal done, right? Mm-hmm. You just got to get a deal done. Don't get greedy on acquisition fees. Don't get greedy on other on stacking all this extra stuff. You know, don't worry about that. Get a deal done and make sure that come hell or high water, that deal's got to make money and you have to do whatever it takes to make sure that happens for your investors. Because the second you get that investor, their money back, they're going to be investing with you again. And then then again and again and again. So that deal has to work, right? Has to work. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's. But I guess it's, it's important that you're, you're able to pitch that deal. And I found, I also found that if you're trying to pitch this program, to people that are not familiar with real estate as an option, you're gonna, it's an uphill battle. I don't even waste time talking to those people anymore, right? I refer them to the podcast, listen to the podcast. If you're, listen, if you wanna build wealth and you wanna make a whole ton of money, listen to the podcast, that's it. You know, it's, it's only because the chasm for them to jump over between not investing in real estate at all 
to yeah. suddenly plunking down $100,000 out of the 401k and putting it into a real asset is, is huge. These people sure. don't get it because I was one. Hey, listen, I was one of those guys too. In corporate America, I would have thought you're insane if you would have told me about the syndication th- stuff. Mm-hmm. I was like, what, what are you talking about? I've been told my entire life it needs to go into this 401k. Isn't that where it's supposed to go? What do you mean? <laughs> you know, what's wrong with you, Cody? Right. You know, right. Index funds. <laughs> right. Index funds, guys. Yeah. yeah. It's a, and, and people don't know it. But that's, that's a scam. The whole thing's a scam. I took all my money out of there. It's all in real estate now. All my money, everything I got is in real estate. Everything is in real estate. I have control of my real estate. But for some people, it's they're, they're not been exposed to it. It's 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 a tough sell. So just don't sell to them. Sell to sure. the folks that are into real estate, like the Rio Group. All those people are sold on real estate. Maybe they're not familiar with syndication. Maybe they're not that familiar with multifamily or the, the benefits that come with it, but the chasm is going to be much smaller. And many of them don't even know they can use a self-directed IRA, for instance, to invest in your stuff, right? Yeah. A lot of people don't know about that. So there's sure. different ways to, to, to bridge that gap. But those are, those are a few things that, that come to mind when, when mm-hmm. I hear that question. It's fantastic. Thank you. All right. We've got time for one more question. looks like Cody. So queue up number two. Yeah, absolutely. So, so on the flip side of that, so we talked about the investors on the broker side, when when we're looking to meet with brokers, we have this kind of, we'll walk any property, we'll meet with any broker we can in our, in the markets that we're looking into like two or three, like segmented markets. Yeah, We're still finding that we're not, you know, we're, we send them the, the one pager on the type of deals that we like. Uh, that we're, that we're really highly interested in, you know, the number of doors, the value that we're looking to pay for it. We understand the markets, we've done the research, but we're still not getting those types of deals. And we feel like it's because we're new that we haven't closed our first deal officially as a group yet. So how do we kind of, what, what is the best approach that we should maybe take to, to validate to a broker to make sure that we are getting in front of the right deals that make sense for us and our investors. Because right now we're just not seeing, and we're getting stuff that's been on LoopNet for a long time. That's, yeah. you know, out there, that's maybe a, a little overpriced based on what the numbers that we see and believe. Um, so how, what's the way we can transition to that? Sure. Well, the, the brokers, they are indeed the key to the deals. Okay. They are the ones that will, um, sure, you can find a deal on your own. You can send out your mailers, do all that stuff. Some people are really good at that. I'm not one of those guys. I get all my deals through brokers and I pay them whatever they want. You know, the reason why I do that is because I know that if that broker makes a ton of money off me and they get to buy a brand new Porsche, next time another deal comes their way, they're coming to me. Why do they come to me? Because I always get the deal closed. Mm -hmm. It's important. It's, it's very important, right? They're sh- they're sure that I will get the deal closed. They're not sure you can close the deal, Cody. They don't know you, right? right? They don't know that you can get the deal closed. That's the key thing, right there, man. Is that if they don't know for sure that you're the real thing, that you're because remember, guys. these brokers get literal phone calls all day, every day. Like I have broker friends, right? I mean, they tell me they they, they get phone calls all day long, all day long from guys out of of California or or New York or wherever, literally like 15, 20 phone calls a day from some newbie that wants wants to buy deals. What makes you so different? What makes you so special, right? That's the question you gotta answer. And because many of those guys, they hear from them one time, never hear from them again. Okay. And 
is, is your website on point? Are there any errors? Are there any bugs? Does it work right? You know, did, did you get real, or did you get someone to really, really pick at it and be a total dick when they went through your website and say, <laughs> you know what, Cody, your website sucks. And here's why, you know, you, you almost need someone to do that because, sure. and listen, I get people that message me all the time. I'm not saying that our stuff is perfect, but you know, it's like they'll send me their, their website. It's like, I can clearly tell this person's never done this before. I mean, I, I right. should not know that, but I can tell immediately, right? That's the key thing. They want to be sure that they're going to get paid. They want to be sure that they're going to get paid always. Okay. So how do you do that? Again, your materials need to be on point. Your speech needs to be on point. The way, what you're, the, the lingo you're using needs to be on point. Uh, I actually cover all this stuff. I have a free ebook. If you go to bulletproofcashflow.com, um, little little box will pop up. You can download. I, t- I go through all this stuff in painful detail, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I even go through the, the social media stuff because if Cody, if they're gonna do, if they do a Google search on you, and they see a picture of you holding a beer and drinking with your buddies, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with drinking your buddies, having a beer with your friends. Nothing wrong with right. that. But it's like if you if you're a party animal, that is the first thing they see. You know, it's like you have to you have to put put it put yourself in their shoes, right? Sure. Um, just the other day, I had some some I saw something on Facebook about how some somebody made a comment about what is it? Oh, I know, it was Jim Cramer, Mad Money, uh, some uh, an investment opportunity for some out of out of the country scenario that was going to return ten to twelve percent, and this guy mm-hmm. says, "Oh, that's a complete scam," because Jim Cramer says if it's more than five percent, it must be a scam. And this guy, he's literally holding up a piece of trout. He's yeah. a trout fisherman, right? It's like, no offense to the trout fisherman here, but but I really doubt you're an economics major. So just, you know, and he, <laughs> and he could very well be. I don't know, man. I mean, I didn't right, do enough research, right. but you yeah. see how instantly I could have been a broker. This guy's adult out next, yeah. next and, and I'll go to the, I'll go through my, my, my phone call list here, right? Because I have sure. like 14 other guys that called me today looking for deals, right? Yeah. All right. Um, well, it's time time to wrap things up. Uh, I know you got a hard stop right now, but uh, yeah. let's let's uh, close things up. One last question for each of you, Augustino. You can go first. How can listeners learn more about you? Sure, uh, bulletproofcashflow.com. If you just mm-hmm. Google that, go to the website. Uh, like I said, I have some materials there that that's, that also talk to a greater extent some of the questions that Cody here asked me. Right, uh, capital raising and, and and brokers are two of those big, big, heavy things. Huge. Go ahead and download the material there. I, I have two separate eBooks that talk about those things in in painful detail. All right, and Cody, same question for you. Yeah, absolutely. People can find us at venducapital.com. V n d u D-U-E capital.com. And then we have a podcast, Real Estate Unsuccess Stories. All right. Awesome. Sounds great. Thanks for both of you coming on the show today and appreciate your time. You bet. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast today, brought to you by Four Oaks Capital. If you'd like to know more about how to invest in apartment buildings or want to be a guest in our show, visit our website at fouroakscapital.com slash podcast or email us directly. If you're still listening, you obviously like the show. So pull out your phone, tap subscribe and leave us a five star rating on your favorite podcast app. And we'll see you again next week. 